We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Start for the win. It's good. Koshevsky takes flight as SGA plays through the contact, banks it in on the foul. What is up, Thunder fans? Welcome to the Uncontested Podcast, post-game edition. This is your boy, Taylor Peterson, Taylor underscore P15 on Twitter, coming to you live. As, unfortunately, um, after last week, the Thunder go on a big win streak of four straight. Thunder are now on a losing streak of two straight as they drop the second game in a back-to-back against Miami Heat, 103-90. to But before we dive into this game, we are a proud part of the Blue Wire Podcast Network and the official podcast of SI Thunder. So be sure to check both of them out. But like I said, unfortunately, the Thunder dropped this one to Miami. Um, but it was a it was a fun one. It was a fun game, and I think there's a lot of fun things to take from this. So I'm excited to kind of dive into dive into that with with all of you. Um, I think the first thing is there was there was a couple things that came up before the game started. The biggest. I think being on the on the Miami side, um, both Bam Adebayo and Jimmy Butler both were out tonight. Um, Jimmy's been out the past couple of games, I believe, with an ankle injury, and um, Bam has been you know dealing with some knee soreness. And you can't really blame the Heat, excuse me, for wanting to rest Bam tonight, and that's exactly kind of what it was uh, trying to trying to heal up that that knee soreness, um, and then trying to get Jimmy healthy again but even then the Miami Heat present a pretty challenging matchup for OKC specifically given their shooters uh, and their spacing from the outside some of their playmakers which we'll dive into but on the Thunder side there was something interesting that dropped a, a couple hours before the game I want to say it was Clemente um, of Daily Thunder um, he he's also with uh uh, Bricktown Breakdown uh, the podcast a, a bunch of other things he's doing a really good job covering the team but he was the first to point out that on the injury report, Baisley was questionable with a, um, it just said foot, I believe. And he tweeted something out, and, and I trust Clemente, so I'm not sure where he got this, but um, he mentioned something about plantar fasciitis, which obviously is, is the same exact injury that sidelined Shea for an extended period last season. So then Dagnall comes in, in his pregame uh, availability, he mentions that it, it was something that started bothering 
uh, basically this morning, and he's questionable to play, but he really wants to play. But long story short, basically ends up playing, and thankfully it didn't seem to really bother him too much. But I bring all that up just to say that's something to kind of monitor. Um, but thankfully, Baisley did play. Uh, the Thunder end up starting Baisley, Lou, JRE, Shea, and Giddy. Uh, it very much seems, Dignot won't, won't uh, admit it, but it very much seems to me that a starting five is starting to form here. For example, we didn't even see um, Dirk Favors tonight. So I think that's something to definitely monitor. Um, JRE is absolutely seeming to get that starting role as well as those minutes, and I think he absolutely should, which we'll dive into that as well. Um, but just looking at the game as a whole, <laughs> it was a fun one. Honestly, I mean, the, the Thunder and Heat both started out super hot from the floor. Um, Lou starts out hot again in the first quarter. Ten points in eight minutes. Um, he had the first eight points for the Thunder. Uh, some of that consisted of, I think he got a steal at that point, uh, and a layup. Um, you know, the, the Thunder were getting steals and deflections, and that was leading to transition points. Uh, Lou got a couple threes that way as well. Lou started out hot yet again, which is um, a theme we've seen. You know, now four-plus games of 20-plus points for Lou Dort, which we'll get into in more depth here in a second. But he it, he keeps starting hot in all these games. I don't think that's a coincidence. Uh, the Th Thunder went on 11-0 run the first quarter, really fueled by the defense. I mentioned that a little bit when I was talking about Lou, but uh, it led to these transition points. Or if it, it wasn't necessarily like... Uh, if they don't go down as fast break points on the stat sheet, they still were scoring because they were pushing the ball in transition. I I keep mentioning this. I mentioned it last season on this podcast. I mentioned it uh, on Sunday night's podcast, Monday's podcast. Uh, if you guys listen to it, the Thunder are at their best when they're pushing the ball in transition. And, you know, we we keep hearing about the versatility. You know, that's why you have guys like Baisley, your four, or shoot, even JRE, your five, who can grab a rebound and put the ball on the floor if the point guard's not available for an outlet pass and can can continue to push the ball until they find that point guard or or that ball handler you know you or even basically if you can just take it coast to coast like that's that's really important and an advantage and a competitive advantage that the thunder have and that's one reason that they hung in uh hung in this game as long as they did and kept it competitive especially early on now something else in the first quarter i want to mention is wiggins aaron wiggins not a not Andrew Wiggins. Aaron Wiggins was the first sub again for the Thunder. Two straight games now. And he comes in, had a fantastic first quarter. Hits two uh, two wide open threes. He had a, a third that was in and out. And played really solid defense on the other end of the floor as well. So I thought Wiggins played really well early on. From there, he didn't get as much playing time. And when he did in the second half, it wasn't quite... Uh, he, he, he didn't wasn't really able to get it going, but I, I kind of chalked that up to be more of uh, due to the lineup that he was playing with. But all that to say, that's now two straight games where Aaron Wiggins has gotten the minutes of, per se, a Trey man, right? And I kind of talked about this a little bit again um, on last night's group podcast, but I think we're going to continue to see that to change throughout the season. But one thing that's stood out and is very apparent is Wiggins seems very NBA ready. Um, obviously, Trey man does as well. We're all very excited about Trey man. Um, there's other players on this team who are struggling. For example, Ty Jerome <laughs> got quite a few minutes tonight. And I might have, Jacob's going to hate me for this, my co-host Jacob, but I might have rather seen players like Wiggins and Trey Mann get a little more minutes, uh, a little more of those Ty Jerome minutes, um, spe 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 specifically Wiggins. But I thought that 
that and then Trey may not not playing a lot right now, but he he got some burn earlier last week. Again, we're we're going to to continue to see that um, kind of change throughout the season. But I almost wonder if Wiggins starts to force Dignall's hand and, and almost forcing him to to play him more minutes because he is so versatile on both ends of the floor and and is kind of Lou Dort esque uh, in the sense of when Lou was playing with the Blue it was on that two way right. We kind of saw him emerge as somewhat of a two-way player they're different two-way players right but they can play similar roles for this team and obviously you can never have too many wings so I'm curious to continue to watch Wiggins development um second quarter though I'll I'll try and go through these a little quicker and we'll we'll dive into some themes and then please you guys are already uh, dropping some really good comments in the chat please continue to do so and drop tons of questions for me because I'll get to those at the end especially since I'm going solo here tonight uh I really appreciate you guys always dropping in the the comments and different questions in the chat so second quarter the first part of the second quarter was really really rough um again we've been seeing this really since the beginning of the season with Dignall but he continues to kind of throw in like these hodgepodge lineups right of these different young guys and the development minutes kind of throw them in all together just to get the minutes which is fine um but he did have some solid lineups in there as well it didn't matter it was like Probably, I can't remember off the top of my head, I want to say it was like until about five minutes left into the quarter that the starters finally come back in. Not a lot happened for either team, although the Heat did. Uh, the, the Heat's bench, that was a theme from tonight, You know, was able to hit some outside shots and, and kind of regain the lead. So the starters come back in and immediately go on a 9-0 run, which was a blast. And to my point earlier, they were getting deflections on the defensive end. They were pushing the ball in transition, hitting outside shots. We saw Giddy, while he struggled to score, he was making just some big-time passes and plays where he was driving to the rim. And basically, um, I want to say it was John Hamm who mentioned the BD quote, the, the Brian Davis quote for you longtime Thunder fans of chicken salad of, out of something else. And that's exactly what Giddy was doing. He was driving to the rim and it, where – it should have been a foul, a turnover, whatever it may be. Giddy was able to kick the ball out to open uh, shooters or uh, JRE down low, and that led to a that big 9-0 run there in the second quarter, which got the Thunder pretty close at half, uh, or sorry, tied up at half. Um, I mentioned JRE. He, I thought he really shined. He had a three, couple of really nice baskets in the post. Like I said, a lot of that was, was set up by Giddy, but I, I thought JRE uh, looked really good there in the second quarter, and obviously that would continue into the third and fourth quarter. The third quarter starts and just a super hot start from Miami, especially from the three. You have um, Tyler Hero and Duncan Robinson basically just going crazy. The Thunder actually respond from basically hitting their outside shots from three, even if they didn't shoot well as a whole overnight from the three-point line. That was how they were able to kind of go on some of these runs, especially here in the fourth quarter. But then the Thunder go cold. You know, they don't kind of, I think it was about six minutes. I mean, he was almost halfway into the fourth quarter and he finally, you know, subbed players in because he knew that his starters needed rest and it kind of went downhill from there. Um, Oh, one thing that I mentioned here is kind of interesting. Giddy just had another gorgeous pass that, of course, a Thunder player missed a wide open layup on. Now, typically that's been favors throughout this season uh, when Giddy has a really nice pass that ends up in a miss, a potential assist that he doesn't get. But tonight, it was JRE, who was fantastic, had a wide-open layup after Josh Giddy just dished a perfect bounce pass, a super nice bounce pass down low to him in the post, and, and JRE missed it. So I bring up this point only to say, 
Are Giddy's awesome, fantastic passes cursed? Something to keep an eye on, Thunder fans. Something to keep an eye on. Now, uh, third quarter, OKC had five turnovers. Uh, that he just came up way more aggressive. Now, fourth quarter, I'm not going to even go in way more or into really as much depth, but uh, essentially Tyler Hero took over. <laughs> uh, Duncan Robinson and Max, Strott, or, uh, Max Struess were continuing to hit outside shots and, and, and knock down those threes. The Thunder had plenty of opportunity, especially late in the quarter. You know, the, the heat kind of went cold there. The Thunder had opportunities to score um, on the other side of the floor, and they just could not get shots to fall, especially a lot of that falling on Shea, who I will be critical of tonight only because I know the level of play that Shea can play at, uh, the level of player that he already is and can continue to be. And if he wants to take that next step, he's going to have to find ways to move on from games like tonight, uh, which we're going to get into. But Shea, Giddy, really struggled to score. Lou was able to get to that 20-point threshold uh, in the fourth quarter, but he even struggled some. Just a, kind of a rough fourth quarter overall for OKC, which leads us to the 103-90 loss against the Heat. Now, just a couple of highlights really quick before we dive into some themes. Season high, 26 assists on 34 field goals, which is really interesting because the Thunder end up only shooting, and here we go, I go back to my stats, 34 of 83 from the floor, 41%. That's not terrible, but it's obviously not great. Um, and as well as they were shooting early on from three, they end up only 15 of 41 from three, uh, 36.6%. And yet they still have a season high, let's see if I can find my notes again, uh, season high assist, uh, 26 assists. And I thought that was really important, especially with Shea struggling as much as he did. I think that's something to really keep an eye on. Uh, Baisley, we'll get into that, career high seven blocks. And as I mentioned a couple of different times now, Lou Dort, four straight 20-plus games for the first time in his career. That comes straight from the Thunder themselves. So, if you guys have listened to this podcast before, our loyal listeners know we all do our post games a little different. I always like to do negatives and positives. And I don't say positives and negatives because we always start with the negatives and we end on the positives. So, let's go ahead and jump into some of the negatives where we end on some of the positives. And I actually have more positives from this game, believe it or not, than negatives. Now, my first negative... And this is kind of interesting because this is also a player I have in my positives, which we'll get into later. But Josh Giddy's Josh Giddy's shooting struggles. Um, we talked a lot about this um, again on Sunday night's podcast, and we've kind of mentioned this throughout the, the previous week. You know, Josh Giddy was looking really well there early on, uh, getting that floater to go. Um, he was knocking the occasional outside shot, but the three point shot down, uh, like I said, on occasion. But really, he was driving to the rim. Um, he was struggling to finish around the rim, ironically enough, but was still driving enough and, and able to get to the rim enough where he was finishing. Um, and then, like I said, that that floater and, and mid-range shot was falling for him. But now, teams have, rightfully so, scouted OKC and know that Shea and Giddy and even Dort love to drive to the rim and try and finish around the rim. So you see, like tonight, where you have one of the most physical teams in the league, the Miami Heat, also long and athletic, packing the paint, right? And we're going to get into the defense that they played against the Thunder, the different looks they threw at them. But that really threw off a player like Giddy. And so what Giddy's going to need to have to do now in this next step is uh, adapt to these defensive scout, these defenses and these teams scouting him, uh, the, the different looks that they're throwing at him. Now, we kind of saw that in last night's game against the Brooklyn Nets, Giddy shot seven three-point shots. Um, obviously didn't look great. We kind of saw that again tonight. 
Um, looking up his three point attempts right now. Yeah, five, five tonight. He was oh five from three. Just again has that really strange form. Not great balance. We see him kind of twisting his body, kicking that foot out. And I think a lot of that's because he doesn't. He's not getting his legs into his shot. He he doesn't have uh, the necessary power yet <laughs> to get. You know, he's try, still trying to adjust uh, to the three point length of the NBA. And that's why we're seeing him kind of do that weird twist or see that that weird thing where he's like sticking his leg out in his shot because he's trying to gain more power. What he's going to have to do is, this sounds ridiculous, but hip flexibility, right? He's going to have to uh, bend his knees more and, and gain more strength in his legs. I think that's going to help him a lot because almost every single shot, I tweeted this from our podcast account tonight, almost every single three, specifically tonight, but really over the uh, ever since he's, he's come in the league, just short, uh, just line drives, right? Very flat. And, and finding more flexibility, um, more balance in his shot, I think is going to really help that a lot. He has a pretty solid release. He's just going to have to work on that balance and, and gain some more power, which I think he can get from his legs. So that'll be something to kind of monitor. But I think he also can adjust to these defenses um, as he just gets more and more looks, right? He, he can continue to drive and find open teammates. But there was times where he just... Man, they were just swarming him, and he 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 had nowhere to go. <laughs> Essentially, uh, he's going to have to add some moves, uh, like we've seen Shea do. Right, he's going to have to become a little more crafty around the rim as well, which I think Giddy can do. So I'm really excited to kind of see how Giddy responds here over the next week. Even I think we're going to see a little bit of growth and development from him. So that was my first negative, was just Giddy's shooting struggles specifically, not Giddy as a whole. My second, it's actually a team wide theme. The Thunder are currently 29th, only above the Rockets an offensive rating with an offensive rating of 99.4. Now I believe that wasn't updated for this game, but I highly, highly doubt that's changed for either team as the Rockets uh, continue to look even worse than the Thunder. If we're being completely honest, but um, again, not great, not a great offensive performance so far for this Thunder team early on the season. Now I bring that up because tonight they're only 15 of 41 from three. They were sorry. They were only 15 of 41 from three and only 34 of 83 from the field. And I mentioned the Heat's defense, right? So we're going to dive into that a little bit. The Heat recognized this pretty early on. Obviously, they scouted this team, and they went to a 2-3 matchup zone, and a matchup zone, essentially, in a nutshell, this is a very brief description. There's a much smarter basketball minds than me who can describe this in more detail, but essentially an all-ball defender, an on-ball defender plays man while the rest of the zone defense or sorry, while the rest of the defense, the the other um, teammates are playing more of a zone uh, zone coverage defense and, and zone type rotations rather than playing man to man on all five players. And that really threw the Thunder off. Now, not only that, but the the, the he also threw a uh, about a three court. I, I don't want to call it a full full court press, but it was more of like a three quarter press, a uh, three quarter court press. Uh, where they were trapping ball handlers, and they, they threw that at the second unit of the Thunder when they were playing a primarily bench-only lineup, right? When you don't have ball handlers like Shea and uh, Gideon there, they knew that they could frustrate some of these young Thunder players. They were taking advantage of their youth, and it worked. The very first time they threw it out there, Poku had a turnover, right? So all that to say, uh, it gave Thunder all kinds of trouble, and a lot of that has to do with their youth, I think, but... The fact that they're unable to knock down outside shots, you know, we saw them trying to attack that zone and kick out to open shooters, 
but you're going to have to have more spacing. And now that's where I was a, a little frustrated. Again, Dignall's been fantastic all season, in my personal opinion, and, and so far in the early season. But I would have liked to see, you know, I know Baisley played really well. I actually have him in my positives. He's playing really good defense. But I would have liked to see more like JRE at the four, like Dignall has mentioned in the past, playing alongside a stretch big, a stretch five, like uh, Mike Muscala. And we didn't really see that. Uh, we, we, you know, it almost seemed like Dignall was prioritizing player development tonight, which I think is great and is fine. But that led to a lack of spacing, a spacing and some difficulty breaking down that zone defense. So all that to say, uh, the Thunder's offense again tonight was a big negative and the Heat took full advantage of that. And I think that was a big key to why the Thunder um, fell to the Heat like they did in the second half. So my last negative and this is kind of related. I've alluded to this a lot so far in this podcast. And look, SGA, I think he's flirting with superstar, right? Um, I, I think he, if he can kind of snap out of this, I think he will have a chance at making a all-star roster, although it will be difficult just due to the team he's playing on. But SGA has been not doing so well. Uh, another, I, I mentioned Giddy needing to adjust to, to some of the uh the defenses that these teams are throwing at him. SGA falls into a similar boat. Only 10 points on 2 of 11 shooting tonight. I think the thing I... And I get it, right? He's trying to set up teammates, and, and that's good as well, but only 11 points... Or sorry, 11 shot attempts from SGA tonight. It, it's going to be tough to beat teams when your best player is only shooting the ball 11 times, and obviously only 2 of 11 from the four. Very frustrated, which was a theme for SGA. In the last five games, Shea has shot only 31 of 84 from the floor, basically 37%. And a lot of that, like I said, is due to defenses adjusting and opposing teams uh, adjusting and scouting not only Shea, but this team as a whole. They know that Shea, Giddy, Door, arguably the three best offensive players for OKC, love to drive to the rim and try to generate offense that way. And we're going to have to see how these guys adjust. You know, we saw Shea try and go to that step back, that sidestep three that he has some tonight. Just could not get it going. We saw that as well last night against the Nets. Couldn't get it going. It's just not a highly efficient shot. It's also a very tough shot to hit. And we know he can hit it. When he gets that going, he's going to have nights where it just doesn't even matter what opposing defenses do. That's going to open up the floor for the entire team. But man, there were just some really ill-advised bad shots that he was taking tonight, especially there in the fourth quarter. The Thunder were able to come back from 18, cut it to an eight-point game, and Shea goes down. And and look, I, I, I'm not super upset with his decision to do this because we've seen in the past, or the past couple of seasons, not even so far this season, where Shea's able to do that, get warm, essentially come back and help the Thunder win a game. But in the the just not in the flow in the offense, again, the Thunder had just cut it down to like eight points. Maybe it was a... 10 points at this point. And then Shea has another one of those sidestep threes that he just was, it was super long, wasn't even close, just very, very early in the shot clock. Those aren't the kind of shots you want Shea to get. And again, I think a lot of that comes from frustration, which leads me to my next point on Shea. And this is something that my co-host Jacob mentioned in our uncontested slack that we have. His defense was very concerning uh, tonight. Not a lot of effort on that end of the floor. Um, a lot of standing around, a lot of, dare I say, Russell Westbrook-esque defense on that end of the floor. And it seemed like that resulted, in, or that was a result of his frustrations on the offensive end. And look, Shea's a great leader. Uh, again, a leader by example. Everybody looks up to him. 
but you don't want to see that from your best player on the other other end of the floor. Uh, I love Russ. He's still my favorite player in, their, player in the entire world. Those of you on the live stream, I have my microphone in the way, in the way but that picture back there is of Russell Westbrook that I have framed <laughs> here in the office. But us Thunder fans are scarred from having our best player on the team, uh, refusing to play defense on the de- defensive end of the floor. And so uh, maybe we're just a little prone to being, or, you know, maybe that's like a sore subject, uh, but I would like to see Shea be much more aggressive on that end. And uh, it's frustrating that he let his offensive struggles affect his play on the defensive end because he has the physical tools and the basketball IQ to be a solid defender. And unfortunately he just doesn't always put the effort on that end of the floor. Now I get that you have to have a balance there, right? Um, <laughs> he's got to save effort somewhere or, or sorry, save energy somewhere, but Still, I mean, what he was doing tonight was very lackluster, as I mentioned earlier. And somebody actually replied to a tweet that Jacob and I were going back and forth on uh, my account. I think I tagged him or something. And somebody mentioned his rebounding as well. Um, Not that you want every single guard to be like Josh Giddy crashing the boards every time. Like you want your guards to be able to get back on defense. I get that. But there were some plays where Shea was down low, just letting... um, just letting the defense go right past him for for rebounds, right? Or even on the other end of the floor, he, he's going down low to hey, he's in position to get a rebound, but he's just standing straight up and letting uh, letting the Heat go and get offensive second chance points. And that's just that's unacceptable from your star player. Not somewhere that I personally would like to see Shea improve. So enough with the negatives. Again, I don't mean to just harp on Shea. He's the best player on this team. He's the cornerstone moving forward. Um, I mean, he, he's been struggling recently and still has had like 20 plus points in the past couple of games uh, up until tonight. So not, I, just, just things to monitor moving forward and think ways that I think, or I guess things I think that Shay can improve on. We're driven by the search for better, but when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. If you're a basketball junkie, then you know there's no better time of year than the NBA playoffs. Twice a week, J.J. Redick is cooking on his podcast, The Old Man and the Three. He has guys come on in all stages of their careers to talk about the league and share stories you won't hear anywhere else, including Devin Booker on why he talks so much trash, Ray Allen's epic free throw competitions with LeBron in Miami, and the moment Tyrese Halliburton knew Pascal Siakam would be a good fit in Indy. In addition to player interviews, every Monday, J.J. breaks down the top three things happening around the NBA with unmatched analysis, not outlandish takes, and is often joined by masterminds of the game like Tim Legler to dive deep on rookie reports, trade breakdowns, and why is mean mugging now a tech? 
you won't find another outlet that covers the game as comprehensively and with such insight as JJ does it on The Old Man and the Three. Make this your companion podcast during the playoffs. Listen to The Old Man and the Three ad-free on Wondery Plus or wherever you get your podcasts. We're going to transition here to some positives. This is the best part because I think there are more positives than negatives. And I would be remiss if I did not mention the one and only Lou Jensen Dort first. Again, listeners, longtime listeners know how high I am on Lou. Um, I just really enjoy the way he plays the game. Um, his ferociousness really on both ends of the floor, especially the defensive end. But what we're seeing is he's really putting it together on both ends. And on the offensive end of the floor, he's doing so while still playing uh, in more of a rhythm with the offense. And I think that's really important. His fourth straight game, as I mentioned, of 20-plus points. That's the first time in his career, or the longest uh, consecutive 20-plus point games in his career. He's finishing around the rim better. We keep mentioning this, but again, he had, um, I think his very first points tonight were dunks. And I want to say, this is off the top of my head, I didn't track this, so you guys can correct me. I want to say he had three dunks tonight. We're seeing him, I, I think him shedding some of the weight that he did, obviously still remaining very big, but um, shedding some of the weight that he did in the offseason. We all noticed that he looked a little slimmer, while still obviously very, very bulky and uh, and wiry, but I think that's allowed him to be a little more explosive, and maybe he's just worked on his vertical as well. Um, you know, players do that in the offseason also, but it's resulted to him being able to finish around the rim a lot better, and also he's just finishing through contact better. For example, the the play that stands out to me the most. Oh hey, side note: my Golden Hurricanes beat Oregon State sixty four to fifty eight in basketball, baby. Keep an eye on those Hurricanes. Back to the Thunder, though. And Lou Dort, um, there was this play where he went down low, basically lowered his shoulder, which is bold, especially when like when Lou has as many fouls as he does tonight. He only had two, thankfully, but lowers his shoulder essentially uh, with PJ Tucker on him and just moves PJ Tucker out of the way. There's not very many players in the entire league who can do that. And he's able to finish through contact. That's big time. That's really big time. And the other thing, obviously, is the three point shot. Um, he was fifty percent from the four. Uh, sorry, fifty percent from three again tonight. Four of eight. Actually, he was 50% from the floor as well. Eight of 16 from the floor. Four of eight. Um, I do love seeing Lou take 16 shots, especially on nice where Shea doesn't have it going. But again, I think that is time. I would like to see Shea get more shot attempts. Uh, would maybe like to see Lou's shot attempts go down on average. But tonight where he has it going, I don't mind that at all. Four of eight from the floor. Or sorry, four of eight from, from three. That three-point shot is legit. Um, now, look, I'm not saying he's going to continue to play like he has over the past four or five games or and shoot like he has from three during that time frame. He's going to have some some valleys again moving forward. But I think what we're seeing is he's a respectable two-way player. And he's made some real, real leaps on that end of the floor while still being able to maintain his defensive intensity. And that's really, really important for the Thunder team moving forward. Not even just this season, obviously, but as a uh, kind of, I don't want to say a cornerstone like Shea, obviously, but just another player that you can really build around. And um, I'm just, I'm really, very, really optimistic and excited about what we've seen from, uh, from Dort on the offensive end and how he's not let that affect his, his defense. My next positive, I mentioned this earlier, Darius Baisley, his defense, uh, his switchability, um, his, his versatility on the defensive end has been really impressive. This is something that the Thunder have seen in him since the very beginning, and we're seeing it kind of come together and be more consistent, especially on the defensive end of the floor. Um, he was huge for this Thunder team. 
through some of those stretches where the Thunder were going on runs because we saw Miami obviously hitting all those outside shots with all their uh, perimeter shooters. Baisley comes out, is able to guard in the perimeter. He has a career high five blocks Um, through like three and a half quarters. He had tied his career high of four blocks. He gets his fifth one later on in the fourth quarter. And almost all the, I mean, there were, I want to say two of them were in the paint that again, that's off the top of my head and could be incorrect. Uh, Those are the two that I'm thinking of. I want to say the rest of those came from the perimeter when he was guarding those three point shooters. And that's really, really important for this team. Again, while I would have liked to see more space um, in in some of these lineups, I understand why Dagnall is throwing Baisley out there in those moments because he's playing so well defensively. Offensively, he played, he continues to play well and more um, in rhythm of the offense. But as as Jacob mentioned in our Slack as well, um, you know he has just like three or four great back to back possessions where he's playing within the offense. He's getting good shots down low. He's making the right plays and passes. He's playing great defense, and then he comes down. You know when the Thunder have cut it to like you know eight points or whatever, and has to play a one on one hero ball again where he just completely stops the offense and throws up some contested three or mid range shot, and. Um, would really like to see him kind of weed those shots out of his game. But what we are seeing more consistently, and again, that's one of the biggest things I think that they don't keeps mentioning with Baisley is his consistency. He is playing more consistent on both ends of the floor. And tonight, while he didn't have the best offensive night, still had seven points, seven rebounds, five blocks, and just played some of the best defense maybe we've seen from Baisley in a while, which is really important for this team moving forward. I'm just really curious to continue to watch Baisley's development. It's such a critical year for him and uh, and his development and his career, and critical, I think, for OKC as well moving forward. When I mean, you have a lot of talented forwards in this upcoming draft, that the Thunder might be forced to take, you know, take the best player available. That could be a forward that would be competing with minutes for Baisley. So I'm just curious, you know, how versatile is he? Can you play him at the four or five? I, I, I don't know. Um, deeper conversation as as a season continues to develop but continue to keep an eye on Baisley. And I really liked what I saw from him tonight, especially defensively. He's a positive for me. Now, JRE. Maybe, look, I love Giddy. But JRE has been such a, I don't even know if I should say surprise. Uh, we knew he was very fundamental, right? Um, a little bit of an, an older guy in terms of rookies. Comes from Villanova. We know he's going to be fundamentally sound. But man, he is really, really impressed. 16 points tonight. 6 of 11 from the four. Four of six from three, which is huge. Being able to stretch the floor like that and still be able to provide the uh, the defensive presence that he's able to on the other end, guarding some of the player uh, the opposing team's biggest players, their centers, it's just huge. And Mark's mentioned this, but being able to play JR, you can play him at the four or the five right now, right? Um, if you need more spacing, you can throw Muscala out there and have JRE in there at the four and just have tons of spacing and still really solid defense. Um, if you want more of an interior presence, you could throw in like a favors who didn't play tonight, by the way, uh, but you could throw in a favors alongside JRE, play him at the four. And yeah, uh, again, tons of great defense in that lineup it gives you more interior defense, but on the offensive end of the floor, uh, JRE provides spacing. That is huge for this team moving forward. And I've loved every minute that JRE has played. I, I don't even know like what details to go into with him just because he's, he was so fun to watch tonight and he's really uh, kind of getting a stride and, and finding his role on this team. And I think there's a reason that we've seen JRE starting more than any other center on this roster. Now um, I think that's going to continue. I think JRE will be a starter for this team long, uh, sorry for the season long-term 
and uh, will be just a critical part, a critical piece moving forward with this this Thunder rebuild. Now, Josh Giddy, I mentioned him in my negatives. I said that I also had him in my positives. He's impacted the game even while struggling to score, and that's something that rookies, a lot of rookies, aren't able to do, right? That's something we've seen SGA be able to do when he's been struggling, like I mentioned over the past couple of games. He's still getting uh, teammates involved. He's still impacting the game at a high level. We're seeing Giddy do that as well. Obviously, the box score tells a story there as he Giddy has only six points on three of ten shooting, but he has nine rebounds, nine assists. Uh, he had oh only two blocks. I thought his steals were higher than that. He only had one steal. But regardless, Giddy is able to set up his teammates, create for others, even when he's struggling. He looked visibly frustrated out there. You can tell he's struggling with the um, the length and versatility and strength that some of the best teams in the league, like the Brooklyn Nets and Miami Heat, have thrown at him. But it's just like such great learning experience for him. I'm not concerned about him long-term at all. I think he's going to learn from these experiences. He's going to sit down and see the film, be able to adjust. Um, and the fact that he's still able to, you know, again, to use the the Brian Davis term um, that John Hamm threw out there today, you know, make chicken salad of something else <laughs> when he's struggling like that and still be able to find open teammates and continue to get teammates involved and impact the game at a high level as a rookie. Um, even just his strength, I think, kind of stood out to me tonight. Uh, both, you know, he, he still struggles defensively with foot speed, but he's able to use his strength to to defend some um, some elite offensive players on the Heat and on the offensive end. Obviously, he uses that strength to be able to um, what would otherwise be a jump ball. He's able to to break through defenders and and make pass it. You know, get the ball to open teammates. That's been really impressive to me. And uh, my my dad was texting me and my little brother about about Giddy and I was kind of giving him a hard time earlier. He said, you know, I'm joking. Um, Giddy's unorthodox, but he, he makes things happen. And that's really important. And I, and I loved how my dad were, I, that wasn't word for word. I'll see if I can, can find that. Uh, oh, not the smoothest player. And he said, I'm teasing the rookie. He's getting it done, but he's un- unorthodox. And he is, he is. And I think that's actually a great thing. And that kind of sums up some of the players that Pressy has been scouting and, and, and trying to bring onto this team, right? This is uh, in, in many ways an unorthodox team and an unorthodox rebuild. And uh, I, I love every second of it. And that brings me to my last positive here. Alexei Pokashevsky, speaking of un- unorthodox, gave some fantastic minutes tonight. Uh, plus his last couple of games, he's had a great stretch here where he's playing within the offense. I think I, I think the direct um, contrast to Baisley and how this this coaching staff is is handling Baisley versus Baisley's development versus Poku. And, you know, last season they gave Poku kind of full reign there at the end of the season. This season they're honing him in because they don't want him to play out of control. They know that that Poku will take just about anything if they let him. They wanted to kind of uh, tighten the screws, I think is the way that Dignall called it. And we've seen it work um, even this early on, right? The past three or four games. He's provided great stretches for this team, especially tonight. 15 minutes, I believe. Sorry, I'm going to have to go back to my box, uh, my box score here. But uh, 14 minutes. Wait. <laughs> 16 minutes. There we go. 16 minutes, 5 of 6 from the floor, 11 points. I think the impressive thing with Poku, and you know, we, we've kind of been talking about this in our uncontested group as well, he's playing some pretty decent defense. He's really gaining strides on that end of the floor. He's able to use his length, um, even if he's not as quick as some of these perimeter players that he's guarding. You know, He's often guarding, especially during this last stretch of games, he's guarding opposing guards. 
and he's doing a really good job using his length and versatility to go out there and contend shots and to not allow players to drive by him. Um, that's been really impressive. Also, his off-ball defense, I, I've been keeping an eye on. He's really great about kind of dropping back, almost like a free safety, right? And he knows he has that length and versatility to uh, get those hands and passing lanes and, and deflect passes. And we saw a lot of that tonight. But the offensive end of the floor, man, I mean, he had two wide-open threes that he drilled um, within the offense. He was driving and creating for others. We saw maybe my favorite play of the game of Poku was, well, he had a couple of uh, breakaway dunks where he was running in transition, which is great to see. But then he also had a nice little mid-range where he crossed somebody up on the perimeter, um, took one dribble, one long poke dribble to the free throw line, pulled up, and just nailed the mid-range. That's just fantastic stuff from Poku, and that's kind of what I think Presti, Dagnall, this this franchise envisions for Poku long-term. And I think you know we saw Poku rewarded for that tonight when he played the majority of the fourth quarter um, with the starters. And at one point, I want to say like Kendrick was in there instead of somebody else as well. Um, but regardless, Poku owned those, earned those minutes and um, Dignall, I think knew, you know, it, that, that Poku could provide offense that the Thunder didn't really have going. Also, Dignall did kind of, I mentioned this earlier, Dignall did kind of seem to prioritize player development maybe rather than um, throwing out like the correct quote unquote lineups tonight, which is fine. And Poku really benefited from that. I'm really excited to continue to watch his development throughout the season as well, because I thought tonight was just great poker minutes on both ends of the floor. So all that to say, even though it was a loss, there was a lot of positive things to take from this game. I'm going to quickly go through uh, some of the chat, some of the comments and some of the questions, and then we'll go ahead and get out of here as the Thunder have a very busy week ahead. Uh, Joseph mentioned that Giddy has to clean up his shooting. Yes, definitely. Definitely. I talked a lot about that. Nate Sanders, he's got to clean up everything that's not passing. That is also fair. Um, let's see. Uh, Joseph did mention with Lou, you know, he he needs to stop trying to make plays, though. Um, I get that. I do. But I think it is important for Lou to continue to drive rather than just knowing, for or opposing teams, knowing that he's going to try and finish around the, the rim or draw contact, whatever it may be. It's important for Lou to continue to work on that playmaking and finding open shooters. That's kind of the next step in his development as well. To have a third playmaker like that on this team alongside Gideon Shea, I think is really important. It's going to open up the floor more for these guys. And you won't see as much of, you know, the Miami Heat and Brooklyn Nets packing the paint like this because, you know, we'll be able to play make. That's really important for this team as a whole. Um, so I, I'll, I'll push back a little bit there. Uh, Marcus Kruger, 21-year-old 20, rookie Jason Kidd, 33.8 minutes. 4.2 field goals made, 10.8 field goals attempted, 38.5% from the floor, six, uh, basically 70% from the free throw line, 27% from three, <laughs> weird times, uh, 11.7 points, 5.4 rebounds, 7.7 assists, 1.9 steals, 19-year-old Josh Giddy, uh, so less minutes, 28.6 minutes per game, um, less field goals made, 3.8 compared to 4.2 with Kid. Field goal attempts about the same, 10.2 for Giddy, 10.8 for Jason Jason Kidd. But Giddy is shooting at 37.7% from the floor. Kidd was 385 uh, About the same from the free throw, a little less, about 8% less, I guess. 28.9% uh, from three. That's interesting. Yeah, so a little better, better than Jason Kidd, which makes sense. Different era of the NBA. But uh, so 9.3 points for Giddy compared to 11.7 for Kidd. 6.4 rebounds compared to 5.4 rebounds per kid, or sorry, uh, verse kid. 
5.9 assists compared to 7.7 assists per uh, versus kid and about the same stills, about the same blocks. That's really interesting. Very interesting. Jason Kidd, for context, Kidd won co-rookie of the year in 1994 and 1995. And uh, yeah, Giddy's on track to have very similar stats. That's very promising and uh, a lot of fun. Uh, if you compare Kidd and Giddy's first 13 games, uh, Marcus continues, Giddy's percentages and per-game averages are better than Kidd's, and Kidd played 35.8 minutes per game versus 28.6 per Giddy. Really good stuff there, Marcus. I like that a lot, and that's a pretty fun comparison there as well in terms of the role that Giddy could find himself in long-term with this franchise. Let's see. Uh, Joseph mentioned that he is already sold on Giddy. He has to fix his footwork. I mentioned that when I mentioned when I talked about his shot. And let's see. Stonewood Weaver mentioned a great game from Poku. He looks much more calm and controlled with the ball, facing up against the defense and taking his time. I think that's a really good point as well, Stone. I didn't mention uh, that aspect. I kind of alluded to it, but I think you you worded that perfectly. In the, and, and, and when you mentioned taking his time, right, He's uh, the game's slowing down for him. I think that's really important. Well, thank you all for tuning in. Uh, this was a fun one to break down, even if the Thunder lost. Really appreciate you all uh, continuing to to tune in to our live streams and engaging with us on Twitter and all of our socials. Um, we just really appreciate it. Continuing to listen in general. Um, we continue to see our downloads go up. We're, we're just very appreciative of you all and appreciate all of your support. Again, tonight, the Thunder uh, lose their second straight on the second night of back-to-back. 103-90 to against Miami Heat. Again, a very big week ahead from the Thunder. We'll have you covered every step of the way. Wednesday night to play the Rockets at home before they go on a bit of a road trip against the Bucks on Friday. And another back-to-back against the Celtics on Saturday night. I was listening to the broadcast earlier. They mentioned that while uh, obviously there's going to be some tough stretches for the Thunder throughout the rest of the season, this is by far the busiest uh, jam-packed week of basketball for the Thunder. So as us Thunder fans, we should enjoy it. And as uh, you uncontested fans, you all should tune in and keep it here because we will have you covered for every game, every post game, everything in between. You can find us on YouTube. You can find us, uh, I'll, I'll try and continue to do some highlight videos, be a little more active there. Uh, you can find us on TikTok, you can find us on Instagram, obviously Twitter. Continue to tune in whenever you listen to your podcast. Thank you all again. And until next time, Thunder Up. Whether you're a world-class athlete or a podcaster like me, we all understand the importance of mental and physical well-being and proper recovery for top-notch performance. That's why I'm excited that Unified Healing is sponsoring this podcast. Unified Healing is a new and super innovative global network of wellness centers powered by Energy Enhancement System, or EE System. If you haven't heard of the EE System, you'll want to listen up. This technology promotes wellness, deep relaxation, purification, and rejuvenation. At hundreds of locations across the globe, access to a center is easy and affordable. Interested in experiencing the EE system technology for yourself? Go to unifiedhealing.com slash bluewire to learn more and find a center near you. That's unifydhealing.com slash bluewire. No material or testimonials on the Unified Healing website are intended to be viewed as medical advice or a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified healthcare provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition or treatment and before undertaking a new healthcare regimen, including EE system.